Welcome. Thanks for tuning in today. And if this is your first time, we are certainly glad you found us. And you could do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card up or leaving a comment in the chat with who you are and maybe a prayer request you might have or a question we might be able to answer. And we're just grateful that you found time to be with us. And we certainly hope it's not your last time. And if it's your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and also would invite you to use the same digital connection card or leave a comment in the chat just to let us know what's going on and how we can pray. I know some of you are on vacation this week, and so we're grateful that you found time in the midst of your travels to tune in and grateful that we're now into the season of summer almost. As schools have graduated seniors and is now out for summer, and what a blessing that can be, and just pray that you'll find rest and want to share that our General Presbyter, Matt Skolnick, continues to do some leadership development that you might want to take advantage of. We'll point you to his podcast, Intersect, some things he's been doing there to raise awareness in our presbytery about leadership and how we lead in this current season. And as we come together to worship, it is that time as we celebrate this common season, as we celebrated Pentecost last Sunday and We're going to lean into a new series this week called Unhindered. The title image here comes from a trip that Melinda and I made back in 2017 out to Colorado where she and I participated in the Freedom Tour where I rode my bike and she, along with a team of others, and Melinda was the SAG person, which stands for support and gear. She drove this big, beautiful Ford pickup truck uh, that gave all sorts of support to the team along with a couple other folks. But... I was reminded as we came through Kansas, just the vastness of the countryside and the beauty of the road ahead of us and how uh, really we were unhindered uh, to just enjoy all that God had. What I want to look at is the book of Acts. And though we celebrated Pentecost last week and the coming of the Holy Spirit, it's interesting that the last sentence in the book of Acts uses this word unhindered. And I want to unpack that for us as a church living in this time. The book of Acts is a sweeping account, we know, of the birth of the church. We saw the video last week when we talked about the coming of Pentecost. And it begins in chapter 1 with the ascension of Jesus, and it ends as it leans into then Paul begins to write his various letters while he's under Roman house arrest. The story we find in the book of Acts is about a handful of disciples who turn the world upside down, and they do that through a message of love and forgiveness and the salvation through Christ. It's an incredible story, and it may be this final word that's in the book of Acts, unhindered, that leaves the greatest clue on how we're to live as followers of Jesus in a very modern world. I want to share with you a video that Melinda and I saw a number of times over Memorial Day weekend from our friends at He Gets Us. It's called Unconditional Love. You're a giant who walks among us. So as we watch this video, and it took a couple times through to see it, and there'll be a link here in the worship notes if you want to watch it again, 
The inspiration behind this video, according to who he gets us, is to recognize and honor the people who reflect the love of Jesus through their sacrifice and through tirelessly serving others and doing it all without conditions or expectations. And so this word unhindered, it may be the last word of the book of Acts, but it's the first word for those who put their hope and faith and trust in the risen King Jesus. Let's begin first with prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your generous love, your unconditional love that offers us hope and forgiveness. And it's in that that we lean into this understanding of what you birthed in the church through the book of Acts, that we can be encouraged as we look at it to know how to live our lives today in 2023 and beyond. We thank you for your sacrifice that gives us life, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we now pray in your name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know I've had many moments about where I felt hindered or held back in some fashion or some circumstance. I remember that trip to Colorado, the two-day drive out, and then the number of weeks we were there on the ground, and then our return trip, and just how all that we leaned into brought a life and freedom to a rescue home that was sponsored by a church in Fort Collins where we began our trip. Now, when we think about being hindered, I also think it, it applies to our faith. It may be something that all of us know there can be something more, that there's some piece that's missing, something that you're missing out on. And when we read through the Gospels, when we read through the book of Acts, we hear of and see and experience the miracles and the healings and the transformation and the boldness of the early church. It leaves me wanting more. It leaves me wanting even that kind of experience today. And if that sounds like you, if you can identify with that, I've got good news for you. You're not alone. Over the many centuries, this is something that the people of God have thought a lot about. In fact, the entire Reformation movement from the 16th century was rooted in this idea that something was missing in the experience of the people of God. They knew there was more. And when I think of being hindered, I imagine a thoroughbred, a racing horse, if you will, standing behind the starting gate waiting for it to open. And once that gate opens, the horse is running free. It's beautiful and it's majestic. That horse, that racing horse, is meant to run, but the gate hinders it. It hinders its movement and its freedom, and the gate is the obstacle. It holds the horse back. So here's a question. What is holding you back today? What's holding us back as a church? What more does God have for us to experience in our faith in this time and in this place? And if you roll those questions around in your mind and ponder them, we're going to look at the book of Acts as a starting point to help unpack several of the ways we are called and released to live a life that's unhindered, to live a life of faith. So first of all, there's something that's extraordinary about the book of Acts. Historically, the book serves as a vital link between the Gospels and the Epistles. And the Gospels are those written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then, really, the book of Acts is the second Gospel of Dr. Luke, and he records for us what took place. And what it does is it bridges the gap between the Jesus of history and the Jesus of our faith. In the Gospels, in the Good News, Jesus is the one preaching. In the Epistles, Jesus is the one being preached about. So the book of Acts explains how the messenger became the center of the message. As we look at the book of Acts, we know it's filled with all sorts of references to God and to Jesus Christ and to the Holy Spirit. 
even John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He started it, he motivated it, and he gave it direction. He gave it energy and purpose and message and protection. Now, Dr. Luke does not give us a systematic description of God, but he describes what God did with the church. So as we go through the book of Acts, it's important that everything points to Jesus Christ and to his church. It's a story after a miraculous story of God's provision and his protection of his church. It's Peter and John preaching to the Jewish Sanhedrin. It's the believers being of one heart and one mind where they sold all their possessions and they were sharing everything with one another. It's Philip baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch and then the Holy Spirit Star Trek beamed away. It's Saul's conversion to Paul and Peter's miraculous escape from prison and the list goes on and on. The book of Acts is not something where we memorize all that's going on or bullet points that we highlight on how we want to understand things. What it does is it tells the birth of Christianity and the very beginning of how the gospel spread. And when you're going through the book of Acts, there's one specific word that brings it all together. And it's interesting that it literally is the very last word of the book. It's this word unhindered. So let's just jump to the end of the book. Paul had stayed two full years in his own rented lodging, and he welcomed all who came to him. He was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things about the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness. It says unhindered. That's Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31 out of the New American Standard Version. So what's going on in this passage? Well, let's unpack it here a little bit together. It says, now Paul stayed two full years in his own rented lodging and welcomed all who came to him. Okay, Agrippa and Festus sent Paul to Rome where he was waiting, and he waited two years to be seen by then Julius Caesar. So Paul is basically sitting under house arrest, and yet he rents his own space, which really was the first time a paid pastor probably uh, received a, a housing allowance because it was probably funded by other church members. And how did Paul act? Well, he welcomed anyone and everyone who came to him. And what was he doing? Well, it says he was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was what? Preaching and teaching. He did just like Jesus did. And he was obeying the Great Commission. And then it says, with all openness unhindered. You see, Paul had openness, boldness, and confidence. And he did this unhindered. This very last word of the book of Acts, the very last word that bridges the Gospels with these uh, books that are called the epistles. I can only imagine Luke, as he wrote Acts, penning this final word on the paper that he was writing on, trying to just find that right word to sort of sum up all that he had uh, sort of put down. Paul wasn't just preaching and teaching those who came to him. He was writing letters from jail as well. Now, a little more history here on the context. So most of Paul's writings were written over a span of about 15 years in AD 60, some 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. He arrived in Rome and was in prison later that year. And for the next two years, Paul would live under house arrest in Rome. But during this time, he continued to minister to those who visited, and also he encouraged local churches. And he did that via these letters that he wrote from prison. Paul's four prison epistles, as we call them, were written during this time. And these four letters are Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. 
And it was in these letters that we see a further understanding of Paul's unhindered message to them, where he was a constant encouragement to these other believers. So let's take a look at these unhindered messages in his letters. First in Ephesians, he says here in chapter 5, verse 15 through 17, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Later in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18, we read, Be joyful always, pray continually. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then to see what Paul's saying is that adversity is an opportunity, that you're not hindered by adversity. He says to the church at Philippi, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's Philippians 1.21. And then continuing a few chapters later, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's Philippians 3, 7 through 9. You see, these are words of a man who's at peace, his circumstance. He's content in who he is, his identity. And at the same time, Paul understands that he's a free man. Now, the book of Colossians. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's Colossians 1, 13 through 14. Or a few verses later, he says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. That's verses 21 and 22 of chapter 1. What that means is that God has brought those who were far off near through Jesus Christ, that there's no obstruction or hindrance to the grace of God. Jesus is for everyone, and Jesus is for everywhere. And then this simple little book, Philemon, and then Paul writes a letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus, and he says, Receive Onesimus as a brother to be loved, not as a runaway slave to be punished. Even though Onesimus deserved punishment, Paul contends for grace and forgiveness. Look at the variety of writing that Paul's undertaking here as he sits there on house arrest. This is not a man who is hindered with an obstructed faith. Our friend Dr. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, rightly identifies this as he describes two years of Paul's life in Rome with just two verses of scripture. And again, it's Acts 28, 30, and 31. And what better word to end the story than the word he chose, unhindered. This very last word of the book of Acts could very well be the first word of faith for all those who believe. That's the promise. There are so many ways the unhindered freedom of faith impacts our experience as we follow Jesus. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the way the kingdom and how forgiveness and power and how even the gospel are transformed and set free through the sacrifice of Jesus. And I'm looking forward to share a story here in the weeks ahead where some friends of mine right now are leading a huge conversation about how to bring the gospel to the continent of Africa where they are holding a conference in Nairobi. Uh, Greg Steer from Dare to Share and his team are helping to equip pastors there on how to share the gospel with some 340 million teens that exist there in that region.
And so today, what I want to look at specifically is this idea of the kingdom of God. Things changed when Jesus showed up. We know this from many gospel accounts in his life, his ministry and his miraculous workings in among the Jewish community. He was different from the Messiah they had thought they were going to see, who they were looking for. As he taught, he spoke in parables, and he was gentle, and he was lowly, and he was the son of a simple carpenter. And in spite of all these things, his kingdom and his teachings have turned the world upside down. And as we are modern-day believers of this, who are under the new covenant, if you will, of Jesus Christ, we are no longer hindered by the rules and regulations of the law. He is our high priest, and because of him, we can experience eternal salvation and redemption. Simply put, the scriptures tell us, if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. That's John chapter 8, verse 36. And what specifically are you freed from? Well, the beauty is we're freed from sin and death, or as Paul says it, the dominion of darkness. In the kingdom of God, we are no longer hindered by darkness. We are no longer slaves to sin. Paul writes in Galatians, it is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's chapter 5, verse 1. And the good news is that in all this, that we are reminded that we are saved by grace through faith that out of that grace, we are free to believe that God can and will act on behalf of others, that we're free to come to Jesus with anything. We're free to approach the throne of grace, and we can do that with boldness and with confidence, that we are free to live as beloved sons and daughters, no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in, that we are free to enjoy the lives that God has given us, That promise of John chapter 10, verse 10, a life full. And then we're also free to count everything else as lost compared to the greatness of knowing who Jesus is. Now, with all that said, the unfortunate truth is that many of us become disillusioned with our faith. And I think that's the season we find ourselves in right now. We've lost the wonder of our God. We lose sight of our first love. And a lot of us put the chains of our former lives back on. Paul says again in Galatians, Formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning your back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? That's Galatians 4, 8 through 9. We have to state it clearly, right? None of us want to go back to that enslaved life that we had, that life of sin and death. But the reality is we often do become disillusioned and we do get our feelings hurt. And when God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we think he should or the way we want him to, we can lose our awe and our wonder of God. We can become hindered by our hurt and unmet expectations. That's why we looked at the life of Esther and what she offered. And even as we learned last week, God has not mentioned by name in the story, and yet we know Esther's presuppositions as she leaned into all that she needed to understand, that she knew God was working. And so for us today, as we think about the beauty of how we've been set free, and the fact, and even the beauty and the glory of being loved, it's that we are always welcome to return to Jesus Christ. So come home, as he would say. Again, the writer of the book of Hebrews says to us in 12 verse 3, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, we need to be reminded every day that we are no longer buried under the rules of the law, but that we have been set free by the grace of God as we received it through faith in Jesus Christ. We think about how Paul wrote the letters that he sent, his epistles, and then we think about what the kingdom of God is all about. And then we really pay attention here now to the lavish love of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, we get the most vivid picture of what an unhindered kingdom looks like when he describes the way that God lavished his love on us through Jesus. He says here, beginning with verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chooses us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. When he has freely given us to the one he loves, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's through verse 10. What can we say but to say praise God? Praise God for his generosity and his love and this lavish grace that he's given us. Now, this word lavish is interesting. It's a verb, and it means to bestow in generous or extravagant quantities on. Well, you know, what I, all I can see here is that God held nothing back from us when he shared Jesus. He lavished his love through Jesus, and he gave to us extravagant gifts when he made a way for all to experience salvation and freedom from sin and death. And if that's not an unhindered action of a generous and loving father, then I don't know what is. So let's wrap this up. I wonder where you might be seeing the unhindered nature of faith at work in your life. What other areas would you add to the list that I shared earlier? The unhindered kingdom, the forgiveness, the power, and the gospel. We'll unpack this as we go forward in the weeks ahead. But before we wrap this up, before we move on, I want you to stop and think about something I mentioned earlier. When I think of being hindered, I really imagine this uh, thoroughbred racing horse standing just behind that starting line, waiting for it to open. Now, once that gate opens, that horse can run free and do all that it's supposed to do with beauty and majesty because the racing horse is meant to run. That gate, as I said before, hinders its movement and freedom. The gate is an obstacle and it's holding that horse back from what it's intended to be. And let me ask you, what's holding you back today? What obstacles are hindering your faith? Are you running free? Remember the beauty of being set free and the glory of being loved as a son or daughter of the great King is that we are always welcome to return to Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about, and I want to invite you into the unhindered kingdom where God has lavished this grace and his love and his mercy over us unconditionally, as we saw in the video from He Gets Us. And maybe for the first time, or maybe it's for the thousandth time, or maybe it's just a good reminder, never forget 
that the Son has set you free and that you are free indeed. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for this truth, and we pray as we live lives unhindered, may your Holy Spirit empower us as we celebrate what that day of Pentecost meant for your church. Birth in us a new spirit today to pursue you with all that we can. And we thank you for the promises are sure. And we pray it now in the week ahead in your name, Jesus. Amen.